Hello, everyone, and welcome to the inaugural podcast of the Bluegrass Bourbon Guy. My name is Jack, and I am the Bluegrass Bourbon Guy, and it's a pleasure to have you here on uh, this very first podcast today. Give you a little background on myself. I was born and raised in Kentucky and have had a lifelong love of bourbon. And like many of you, uh, my relationship with bourbon probably began in college. Over the years, I began to study bourbon with a deep interest. And during COVID, I actually became a certified bourbon steward and then an executive bourbon steward through the uh, Stave and Thieves Society and Moonshine University here in Louisville. So now what I do is part-time kind of uh, a gig is to travel around doing bourbon tastings and education. And then uh, this is my first venture into podcasting. If you would, uh, check out the website, www.thebluegrassbourbonguy.com, and also follow me on Facebook at The Bluegrass Bourbon Guy. But enough about me. So today, I'm very excited to have in studio with me Pastor Ben Reese, who is the senior pastor at Hurstbourne Christian Church, Disciples of Christ, here in Louisville. Pastor Ben, welcome to The Bluegrass Bourbon Guy. It's a pleasure to be here. I'm glad you're here today. So uh, um, we've known each other for a long time, haven't we? As long as I can remember. <laughs> if you would just share with everybody how we uh, how we became acquainted. Uh, the church I grew up at, Jefferson Christian Church, is Jack's home church where he still goes today. And throughout my faith journey, he helped raise me uh, right so that I knew the scripture. And now as I've gotten older, so that I know our spirits as well. So it is a pleasure to be on this podcast today just to talk about two things that I care deeply about. Absolutely. Well, you know, uh, I've since I've known you forever, it seems like, and I knew at a very young age that you were going to be a minister because you just... I was glad you said I knew you'd be a minister, not that you'd love bourbon at a very young age. (laughs) Well, there's probably that too, but... But uh, we, uh, myself and a lot of other people knew that you were going to take that path because that just seemed to be your spirit. But the reason that I've, I have invited Pastor Ben on the, the show today is not because of our friendship, but is because of two links that he and his family have to the bourbon industry. So the, the first one I want to talk about is his podcast. It's called Bible and Bourbon with Pastor Ben, correct? Yes. All right. Yes. Uh, how'd you come up with this idea? Well, it was actually, a, as many good ideas, it started with a failure. I was going to have a brews and Bible Bible study, and I called a local bar. We had everything set up. They said, we have a nice little table in the back. I showed up on that evening, and they had also booked a corporate Christmas party that night. <laughs> oh, wow. There was 150 people in the bar singing Christmas carols at the top of their lungs, and my Bible study, well, it got drowned out. So we couldn't say much of anything, and the Bible study just didn't go over well in that setting. But I I thought that there would still be a need for a Bible study like this that connects two of my favorite interests with bourbon (laughs) and the Bible. So I decided to focus on something that I know wouldn't have a Christmas party, a (laughs) podcast. So I was able to start with the podcast there and and really go through some of that the deep dives into scripture that I would love to get into on Sunday morning but I just don't have the time for right 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 now I've listened to, to a couple of your podcasts and they're they're very engaging so I'm, I'm glad that uh, you're doing this because I, I think that topic the title in itself grabs people's attention and say okay I really got to find out what's this pastor about <laughs> and uh, uh, and so uh, yeah, it's 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 a great thing that that you. It's doing been this. it's been great to engage with people, especially so many of my listeners 
don't regularly go to church, and some of them have been driven away from church in the past, and they say that this different approach is a way that they can connect with scriptures, which is just something that's a passion of mine. Absolutely. Absolutely. So uh, you do have a lot of followers, it sounds like. I have a fair number of followers. A lot of them follow me on my website more mm -hmm. than anything else because I have the uh, podcast up there. It actually, there was a, a pastor who shared it somewhat negatively to his church, but I guess his church did not feel the same way he felt. So I got a lot of listeners from that. Um, a lot of them on the West Coast. So I guess bourbon's bigger on the West Coast even than it is here in Kentucky. But it's just uh, more people listen to me on my Tuesdays when I come in for my podcast than could even fit inside my church building. So. Wow, that's that's great to hear. That's great. To hear. So how do you decide on what you're going to talk about? Is it is it a lecture, uh, lectionary? Is it topical? Is it a series? How do you come up with your so ideas? It's a series. We work through the Bible book by book. We've done the book of Jonah. That was our first book. Mm -hmm. And we're halfway through the gospel of Matthew. It is a very academic approach. So it is Bible and bourbon, but it's about 5% bourbon at the very beginning and 95% Bible through the rest of it. But it is a it is the scriptures in a way that you have not connected with them if you haven't listened to it. It is the things you are taught in seminary, but maybe not taught on a Sunday morning just because you don't have the time to get into it that way. Right, right. I think it's a great idea because, you know, especially, you know, sitting down with the glass of bourbon. And, and I, I have I chuckle because every time you take a break, I hear that glass, the, the ice in the glass. People got <laughs> upset because originally I was editing out the, the glass and you couldn't hear me drinking. They said, well, are you drinking during the podcast? I said, I am, but I'm just editing it out so you can't hear it. And they said, no, leave it in. So I leave it in and I have to drink everything on the rocks because otherwise it's just a big long pause because you can't really hear it, <laughs> which is not necessarily how I drink bourbon otherwise, but it works well. Uh, it's, it's it's a nice way to sip it. Yes. You do that. And it, it lasts, you know, for the entire <laughs> podcast. <laughs> I don't have to get up and take a refill. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Um, so you're going through the book of Matthew now. You're halfway through. What's the, what's the next uh, step in your in your? Have you thought about what you're going to be doing next? I believe it'll probably be the book of Acts, just to make a little bit of continuation after the resurrection. And I think that the book of Acts is one that a lot of people can connect with. After that, I'm probably going to go into one of the deep dives in the Old Testament, one of the the books that people uh, haven't really connected with. I'm looking at possibly doing First uh, and Second Kings. Wow, that's that's aggressive. <laughs> I, I think that's great because you know the Old Testament is not something that people spend a lot of time in, and so it'd be a great you know a great listen you know for that. Uh, so the people's reactions have been pretty good with it. Sounds like you know, and uh, you're getting good feedback. Yeah, it's a it's it's a lot of positive reactions. Anytime you put something out online, you get people who react negatively to it. Always. And I learned early on, you just don't reply to people who. <laughs> <laughs> who don't like it, they're not listening anyway. Right. If you don't like it, don't listen. That's yeah. right. That's what I think. So, well, good. I, I, I wish you continued luck on that. And I hope that you continue to grow your your uh, your online congregation <laughs> because it's. Uh, I think it's a great thing that you're doing with that. Well, I would like to, to go ahead and move on to your other connection in the bourbon industry. And, and that is Wadi Boone. If, if you would just tell everybody that, how you're connected with this particular family. So w Wadi Boone is... On my mother's uh, father's side, so his mother was a Boone, and she came from the Waddy Boone line. Her, I, I think it was great grandfather was Waddy Boone, 
And Wadi Boone was one of the people who is suggested as the father of bourbon. Obviously, there are several people <laughs> who are considered the father of bourbon. Yeah, according to some of the research I've done and actually talked to the folks down at Preservation Distillery, uh, Wadi Boone is one of the first documented master distillers in Kentucky. Um, they attribute him to 1776, if, if, based on what I saw. Um, and he has what's called RD-422. And that's the registered distillery uh, license before they came out with the DSPs that they have now today. And so that just kind of shows you that with the westward expansion across the country, how many people were registering to to make whiskey illegally <laughs> in the country. And I think uh, what I read was in 1780 is when his actual legal distillery went into uh, production, you know, in uh, Nelson County. Uh, but I'm, I'm sure that there's probably some... So stuff happened before then? Yeah. Yeah. And especially as they moved west, so many of the people got into distilling because it was an easier way to transport their grain. If you make it into a liquor, you can put it on the back of a wagon. Well, if you left it in grain form, you really couldn't transport it across mountainous terrain. Right. And so um, that's, I guess that's how a lot of bootlegging started, <laughs> right? <laughs> and just like any good Kentuckian, my grandfather's father was arrested for bootlegging and did some time in the penitentiary <laughs> oh. for it. So I got the, the legal side, but I also have the illegal side of moonshine. Yeah, yeah. Wow, that's crazy. Well, the other thing I found out that Thomas Lincoln, who was Abraham Lincoln's father, and Abe Lincoln himself actually worked at that distillery for a short time before they moved uh, to Indiana. I was like, wow, the, the United States history now is tied to, to uh, whiskey or bourbon in Kentucky. <laughs> With that connection. Especially because, I mean, Kentucky was such a small place back then. It still is today, but back then uh, the communities were so close-knit. And down there in that area where that distillery was created, that's where the Lincolns were from. Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, and Kentucky is the, the, the best place to make bourbon, make whiskey, because of all the resources that we have here. We have the weather. We've got the grain. We've got the yeast. Everything that you need to make bourbon is right here, especially and including the limestone water, <laughs> which, as we all know, is 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 very important to that. Um, so you know, Charles Boone was a son of Waddy Boone, and as I understand it, he was one of the, the most well known and most popular distillers in Nelson County. And so I thought, you know, it looks like that lineage, you know, is continuing on today. So in honor of your heritage. I had the opportunity to stop down at Preservation Distillery and talk to the folks down there, and they were just absolutely phenomenal. Uh, nicest people. I would recommend anybody take the trip down there and, and experience uh, the, the tastings and things like that. So what I came back with was Wadi Boone and Sons 11-year whiskey. Now, I, I was looked at this, and I was like, okay, it's whiskey and it's not bourbon. So I did a little more research, and, and it looks like that the Wadi Boone is distilled and barreled in Tennessee. And traditionally with Tennessee whiskey, it, it meets all the criteria of bourbon in Kentucky, with the exception of that they filter it through maple uh, wood charcoal, and then they barrel it. And so according to, you know, the uh, Title 27, you can't add anything to bourbon before you put, you know, especially when you put it in the barrel. So adding that charcoal makes, evidently makes it a whiskey versus a bourbon, but we don't, we don't care about that, right? No, I'd it's be all... more than happy to have it. I've had many whiskey on <laughs> my bourbon podcast. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. So um, this is um, 
0.7 proof. Uh, as I said, it was distilled in uh, Tennessee and it's bottled in Kentucky there at, at preservation. But the, the, the mash bill is undisclosed. The only thing that we know about it uh, is the fact that it is 51% corn. The rest of it is is a mystery. <laughs> so, so what we're going to do um, is you and I are going to sit there and we're going to have a little sample of this bourbon and, and, and uh, get a taste. And, and see, I am not nervous about being on a podcast, but as the people who listen know, I am a Bible expert and a bourbon enthusiast. <laughs> so when I sat down to have a tasting with a bourbon expert, like <laughs> is across the table from me, and he told me all the different nuances on how to how to taste it and how to smell it, it... um. It made me a little bit nervous, so I'm I'm excited to take this uh, this tasting, but I, I'm approaching it cautiously. Yeah, well, no, just it's that's okay. You don't have to, uh, you know. Like I, I said before, there, there's no wrong answer. Your palate is your palate, your nose is your nose, and you, you're going to experience the bourbon uh, as you experience it. And that's when I do tastings. That's why I do bourbon tastings blind. People do not know what they're tasting until the very end. I might tell them a mash bill as we're going along so they can make a relation to that, what they're tasting, and then they compare it as they move along. But what I find is that if you, you come in with preconceived notions, it, it, it colors your palate. I know you were telling me about those blind tastings you do, and there's some surprising uh, answers that you get from people. I've, I've, yeah, absolutely. I've had, uh, I've had folks, uh, I'll put a, uh, a $10 bourbon and I'll put an, an $80 bourbon in a tasting. And more often than not, a lot of people like both of them equally. And so it's it's kind of fun to see their expression with that. So uh, you gave me the the recommendation on that ten dollar <laughs> bourbon. It was good. Well, you're welcome. Thanks. Yeah. I'm glad glad you like it. So what we're going to do is as you, we're going to take it and we're going to get a, a a good nose on this. What are your thoughts? What are you picking up? I'm definitely getting vanilla, but that's on most bourbons you'll uh -huh. have it. Eh? I'm getting a little acetone on the top of I that. I was going to say acetone. It's a little chemically kind of. It's, it's yeah, it, it gives you the reminder, just a, a faint hint of nail polish. Yeah. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to pass it back and forth underneath my nose. See if I can pick up anything else. Is the acetone common on many bourbons? It, it, it is. You know, that's it. It is quite often. Uh, and lately, it seems like the more bourbons I've been bringing to tastings, it seems that hint of that acetone seems to be more prevalent. I don't know if that's me or the bourbon itself, but it, I'm, yeah. I'm picking up, a, a, you know, a more and more acetone lately. So what I want you to do, too, now is take that glass and put it at the 45 and, and nose the bottom of the, the rim. Now, see, I get a little bit of floral there, a little bit of citrus. Like a an orange peel. Yes, yes, exactly. And then I'm going to do the top. And, and for me, uh, well, first of all, what do you what do you get there? I get a bit of chocolate. You Just get chocolate. A little bit of chocolate. And I, 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 could see, I can see that because for me, when I nose the, you know, on the 45 like that, and I nose on the top of the glass, it seems to me that's always the barrel. And, you know, some of your chocolate notes can come from there, you know, from that wood. And so I totally, I, I, now that you say that, I can, I can pull that out, you know, a little bit there. So uh, now let's just take a tiny little sip and let's see what we got. Wow, that's smooth. 
It is. And what's the proof from? It's it's uh, 94, wow. 94.7. That, that surprises me. Wow. You know, it, it it's for me. It's it's light on the on the the front of the tongue. It's it's sitting right in the sides of my tongue on the palate, about mid palate. And for me, this has absolutely zero finish. Oh, yeah. I don't have any taste in the back. What, what about it you? It is surprisingly smooth for for the proof, and you get a hint of that oak, but it's not not overwhelming by any means. Yeah, it's very balanced. Very balanced. That the, the oak and the vanilla are, are equal. Mm-hmm. Equal there, and, you know. I don't, and I do not taste that citrus that I was nosing. <laughs> it 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 tastes like a very, a very smooth, very uh, familiar bourbon. So it tastes kind of like what I would expect a good bourbon to taste like. It's yeah. not um, and and it's not a bourbon. It's a whiskey, as we right. discussed about. Yeah. yeah. So get that little second sip and see what you what you come up with if it changes. And see, that that one sits, the second sip sits a little higher in the palate up there on the, almost to the roof of my mouth. You know, it's surprising how much the second, chip, uh, second sip changes the flavor of it. It does. You've got that coat, you know, already the coat, so now you can start to pull out some stuff. So it's, um, that time I got a little spice on the front end. I'm saying it with the cinnamon. Yep, exactly. So now what I like to do is I like to add three drops of water, get a little, get that bur- uh, whiskey to open up a little bit. You can see the difference between the uh, bourbon expert and the bourbon enthusiast. He had his eyedropper ready. <laughs> Always. And then, and what I use is limestone water. Um, you know, since bourbon and whiskeys in Kentucky are made with limestone water, this helps actually, you can use tap water, but I find that this uh, limestone water helps bring that, that change in that bourbon. So give it a good swirl. If you want to nose it again. Especially because the original distillers were using limestone water that was right next to them. And it's, yeah, and it's, I mean, it's prevalent in Kentucky and Tennessee. Didn't really change the nose for me much. It seems a little lighter, but that also might be from the, the sips before. That brought out a lot of caramel for me. A little candy flavor, caramel. I was going to go with a, a, a chocolate with caramel on the inside. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. That's very good. I'll get another sip here. Wow, that's really good. That's uh, it's it's uh, it's a hundred dollar price point, so it's a little pricey, but this would be something I would keep on my shelf for special occasions and if i you know just come in you just want something that's really special this would be the one one of the ones that i would pull out of my collection there's a lot of those bourbons that are have that hundred dollar price tag that are not worth it i think this one might be worth it actually i would agree with you on that um i've unfortunately i've um, poured out some bourbons that were quite expensive because i you know did not like them but um well, especially you see with the bourbon industry for the last 10 years, how much it has grown and how many new distilleries are, are popping up all over the place. Here, especially in Louisville, it seems like everywhere we turn, someone else is getting into bourbon. And, and some of the people who get into it don't really have the talent that... It, and and it, a lot of them are, are some of the places as they start up are getting uh, their 
distillate from Indiana, you know, from the match of big dis- yeah. distributor up or distiller up there. And so, and, and that's until they can get their own stuff that's aged and, and barreled and, you know, get some, you know, some quality uh, aging behind it. But uh, this one is, is, is a very nice, very nice bourbon. Um, I know that they have several other high-end bourbons down there. Uh, so, uh, again, uh, thanks to the folks down at, uh, at Preservation Distillery for allowing me to spend a little time picking their brain on Wadi Boone and the relationship that they have with that. So uh, anything else you want to, you know, share about your podcast or any questions you have about bourbon or? <laughs> I'm just glad to be able to come on this uh, podcast today, especially for this first episode and to explore bourbon a little more. It is a fantastic industry that is especially important here in Kentucky. If you go outside of Kentucky, people know either fried chicken, horse racing or bourbon. That's what they know about <laughs> Kentucky. Um, but it's nice to be able to spend a little time and discuss scriptures that i'm working on with my podcast but also spend some time with the spirits that we have here absolutely all right well well pastor ben thank you so much for being with me today it's been a it's been a joy and a pleasure i look forward to listening to your uh your podcast uh, as as time goes on so uh that'll wrap things up for the bluegrass bourbon guy today uh want to ask that if you decide to partake please sip sensibly and drink responsibly thanks and y'all have a good day mm-hmm.